Welcome to Second Opinion, the review show here on the Nexus. Today, I am your host, Ryan Rampersett, and I will be talking to you all about the MacBook Pro 13-inch with M1. Let's get started. This is not a phone review, but we're going to treat it like one. Let's talk about the pricing. Now, the model that I purchased was BTO, build to order, and I paid about $1,850 for that. Uh, that includes the $200 bump from the standard 8 gigabytes of RAM to the 16 gigabytes of RAM, and it also includes tax. So, in general, this is a very expensive product. I hope that in future models, whether that is the 13-inch model or if a mysterious 14-inch model ever comes out, I hope that 16 gigabytes is standard because really 8 is just not really enough in my opinion, especially when you're paying $1,800 for it. Let's talk about some of the stuff. I have never used a 13-inch MacBook Pro before. It is adorable. It is so cute. It is actually in some ways smaller than the MacBook Air that I had way back in the day during my college years in 2011. Wow, it is such a cute little computer. It is uh, uh, so much lighter than my work 15-inch MacBook Pro. It is 10 years newer. It also has a higher resolution than my 2011 MacBook Air. Just, just wow. It's, it's just a magical, cute little machine. So yeah, no, no, I'm not going to spend time on what I think about all of the remarkable features of the screen. There are none. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about any of the, um, you know, other things about it. It is purely identical in body shape and type to the MacBook Pro 2020 13-inch model. We will talk about a couple things, such as the battery, though. Now, this is the computer with the M1 chip, and that is interesting because it changes kind of the game in terms of how battery usage plays out. So, battery um, is kind of incredible. I don't actually have a number of what the um, milliamp hours are like. The 16-inch MacBook Pro, you know, it was hitting the ceiling as much as they could cram into that body without going over the uh, FAA battery size limit. This obviously is smaller and thus does not have that size, but it is still incredible how much battery life I can get. So out of the box, I was at 87%. Then I installed a ton of stuff on it. I compiled the Node 15 because at the time, Node didn't have a binary. 415 pre-compiled for ARM. That all of that, after hours, I got it down to 40%. Have you ever used an iPad? Have you ever have you ever used an iPad intermittently, sporadically, fairly not often? That's what this is like. It has the ability to keep a charge forever. Uh, I can go a week without touching the thing. And, it, you know, if I left it at, let's just say, 75%, I might come back to it and see that it's at 68%. It surely does stuff when I'm not around. It'll wake up and, you know, refresh its, you know, internals and it'll download a new email and it'll look for updates and it'll do stuff when I'm not around. I mean, that's what an iPhone would do. That's what an iPad would do. It does that because it is kind of one of those now. And it's kind of magical that it can keep charge for so long. 
that's that's of course idle or sleep state charge. What about when you're using it? Well, if if you want to really be serious, I I kind of actually have no idea. In actual usage, I can just use it and use it. Like my computing sessions when I'm using this M1 machine, you know, this is my non-work machine. So it's not like I'm sitting here pounding away at it. I'm really using it kind of casually, like I might be writing some rust or I might be writing some TypeScript or I might be just looking for recipes to cook. Uh, I'm not really using it for work. Uh, I'm also not running as much stuff on it as I would on my work machine. I push my work machine to the upper limits of insanity. I will cap memory pressure around 91%. I'll be using that CPU for Docker containers well up until the fan spins. So my usage pattern is different. And so I just, I just, I have no idea. Now I do have iStat menus on this machine. And I have watched it go from 100% to 98%. And at that moment, it believes that it can get me 17 hours on that charge. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's, um, magical it just is it's purely it's purely unbelievable how much capability the chip has combined with the battery size that's in there imagine what you'll be able to do with the near maximum 100 watt hours or something like that um battery size combined with either the m1 or m1x or m2 or whatever it comes out to be whenever the 16 inch revision comes around I mean, what is it going to say? You're going to get 35 hours of battery life on this one charge? Oh, it's going to be incredible. Okay, well, we're going to just breeze through a couple of this, a uh, couple of these other topics. Um, there are two ports, and only two ports, plus one headphone jack, actually. Surprisingly, there are only two Type-C ports on the left-hand side coming from a MacBook Pro and data to use for work. That's kind of annoying, because if you move anywhere, you can only loop this wire around you so many times and it's kind of uh, kind of annoying that you can't just reposition it uh, i hope that future revisions take away the two port limit and give you four ports i think that should be a standard thing two ports on each side uh it's just it's better for ergonomics it's better for resiliency and you can actually use the proper number of things um yeah okay so that's all great the speakers are fine um get real speakers if you want to use it as a machine that needs to make sound or use headphones this computer has a touch bar um, a minor contrast between this and my macbook pro for work is the touch bar has a separate escape key a real escape key on this machine whereas the work one doesn't because it is a 15 inch model from 2017 <sighs> um you know if they made bto non-touch bar models an option i i guess i guess i wouldn't pay for it if i didn't have to because it's kind of useless i don't i don't really use it i love having the touch id option but you know it, it's just kind of sitting there for the most part i don't know i don't need it the butterfly mechanism has been replaced since the new scissor mechanism has come back and that's been great uh one thing that's interesting because the keyboard is attached to this computer that has incredible battery life and a chip that doesn't really get hot anymore. In previous computers, especially my work machine, when I push it to its upper limits of computing, 
it would get hot, and I no longer feel any real heat from the computer at all. Okay, performance, wow. It's very performant. Or at least it's as performant as you would expect a new computer to be without having loaded it up with a bunch of junk. And and I guess that's the disclaimer that I want everybody to kind of have. Everybody has had their Mac M1 computers for quite some time now, about, you know, two to three, four months maybe, depending on when um you're listening to this, I believe is how time works. Well, I think for my work machine, I saturate disk IO and I saturate RAM and I saturate CPU. And between those three things, that's pretty much the whole computer. And so, yeah, there's that. Um, the M1 is very fast. Um, I can have Chrome open with a dozen tabs. I can have Slack and Discord and iTerm and Visual Studio, uh, Visual Studio Code. And I can hang out around 25% RAM. I've never actually gotten most of my 16 gigs of RAM used. I have no idea. Now, this is an M1 MacBook Pro, and being a MacBook Pro, it has a fan. I've never actually used the fan for anything regular. I did have the fan turn on twice. I don't remember what the second time was for, but the first time was when I was compiling Node. Um, If you don't compile Node, I guess your fan won't ever turn on. So that's cool. Um, very much also like an iPad, it has instant on capabilities. Uh, my work machine, it just, it lags out whenever I have to hit the fingerprint, uh, reader for touch ID, but this machine, you open the lid, you touch the sensor and you're in, you're good. If you have an active session, of course, it'll even just open you up if you've configured it that way to the actual, you know, instance of OS 10. I mean, Mac OS, it's never going to change. Yeah, well, it's just great. Okay, well, we can't we can't talk about performance without also talking about the war game. Now, the war game is a benchmark that I made. It is admittedly a silly benchmark that I started in high school and I've iterated on it throughout the years, and it's you know it's a thing. Uh, well, my AMD Phenom Two nine forty five, which was released in the second quarter of two thousand nine, that is more than ten years ago now. It gets a score of 48 in the war game. Now, again, like any benchmark, these numbers are meaningless in isolation. Only in comparison do they matter. Well, I am pleased to announce that the M1 MacBook Pro gets a lot more than 48. Gets 403. So, what does that mean? Well, that means in 10 years, the silly benchmark that I made performs 10 times faster. That's incredible. Truly, it is just truly incredible. So the performance is really good. Is there anything bad about it? Well, and again, as I open this section, if you don't use it like a regular computer, if you don't if you don't punish it, of course it's going to say that it's faster. Of course. But if you do treat it like a real computer, and I think this is inevitable, it will slow down like a real computer. It is very fast. But it's also as fast as I would expect a computer that's new to be. So yeah, cool. Let's talk about software very briefly in terms of Big Sur. I like how it looks. I like the new Finder skin. The system preferences panel is crazy looking to me still. And everything else, aesthetic changes aside, are fine. I have nothing to note, nothing to nitpick, because it's fine. I actually kind of like it better in some ways because it's a little flatter and... Uh, like a little less um, 
leopardy. You know, it, it deviates from the leopard aesthetic quite heavily now. Um, on the software side, development is actually more important um, than the OS sort of look and feel. Can you develop on this machine? Is this machine suitable for work? No. Don't use this thing for work unless you only make iOS apps with it. Um, hobby time is different than work time. You actually want things to work for work, and for hobby stuff, it doesn't matter as much. It will still initialize Git on its first usage. You can use the Xcode select tools to install a bunch of stuff. That's great. Um, Visual Studio Code uh, had an exploration build. It may have a mainline build available for it, but it hasn't told me, so I haven't upgraded. Also, I don't like upgrades. Um, you can install the latest version of Brew with native M1 support. However, many, um, you know, installables through Brew, whether that be, um, you know, a CLI tool or a UI tool, they may not have native a uh, M1 builds. So you might have to run those in Rosetta mode, which is fine, but it is something you have to sort of experiment with. Uh, did I mention that I compiled Node for some reason? Well, at the time, there was no Node 15 ARM binary available, so I had to compile it myself, because I'm a crazy person. You don't really want to do long compiled builds on this machine. You can get your fan to go, but what's the point? Just go use a real computer in a server somewhere. Uh, and finally, Docker works, kind of. There's a Docker preview, and you might need Rosetta for some images, and some stuff works. And that's all I can really say about that. I haven't really used the preview a whole lot because, again, I'm not really working on the machine. Rust works great. Node works fine in Intel mode with Rosetta. And uh, that's all you really need to know. It's fine. We're going to transition now into the, with these last few minutes into final thoughts. Wow, this is a good computer. Oh, it's just so nice to have another Mac around that isn't for work. I can I can code stuff without um the fear of mega corporations breathing down my text editor. And that's that's a lovely thing to have in your life. And um it's also great to have a computer that's extremely fast, extremely portable, so you can just sit with it wherever you want. Um it's wonderful. But now let's explore some other questions. Can you work on it? If you wanted to push your computing device to the upper limits of computing capabilities, does does this do that? Well, you know, in, in some ways, yes. But I would still say at least, you know, think about and research whether or not all of the things that you do for work are actually possible and ergonomically suitable to this machine type. The M1 is fast, but if things don't work on it, does it matter? I would say no. Uh, do you use special software? Are you using software that has plugins that were written 20 years ago that haven't been upgraded yet? Do you need Windows? Do you need to run Linux somehow? If you answered yes to any of those questions, really search for issues beforehand. Other people by now, have probably run into whatever you're about to experience, so go find out for yourself. Oh boy, uh, the 16-inch MacBook Pro could totally decimate this thing in performance and battery capability. 
So think about that. If you needed to buy a computer today for work, could you wait until, I don't know, fall for the 16-inch MacBook Pro instead? For either the M1X, just a slight bump, or the M2, which could be a, you know, a magnitude bump. Can you wait? Uh, and as far as development tooling goes, while Docker works, it is still technically in preview. And, you know, that's great, but not everything works. And even if that did work, I mean, not every image is even ready for it yet. Well, okay. So all of those are good questions about can you use it for work? Now, the another question is, should you buy this or an Intel? And that is also based on, are you using it for work? And do you need something that Intel can do better, such as, I'm not sure what, actually. Um, uh, maybe another question is, should you get this 13-inch MacBook Pro versus uh, MacBook Air? Because the MacBook Airs also came out with M1 chips, but with no fan. And they may be about $800 cheaper. So that's something to look into. I wanted the MacBook Pro in case I needed the fan. I wanted to have that extra thermal capacity. If you're on a budget, though, don't feel like you need the MacBook Pro. The MacBook Air has the same M1 chip with maybe slightly different throttling settings. You're not going to really notice in general. You'll be fine. If you were going to buy a MacBook Pro earlier in 2020 and you decided to wait for the M1 chips, just buy the MacBook Pro. That's what you were going to get anyway. But now you made the choice. But make the choice based on if you're using that for work or not. If you're a student, right? If you're just a general student, if you're a college student looking for a computer to take to school, whether for the spring or the summer or fall, and you're not a programmer, I think you can confidently use the M1 MacBook Air without any issues whatsoever. Uh... I don't think there's any software that you'll be reasonably required to install that won't work. Uh, most schools are using Google Docs. If schools are using Microsoft Office and 0365, it'll work just fine. You'll be good to go. If you're a programmer or some other type of engineer, um, inquire about what types of software you might need and or try to hold off until you get there and then find out what you need and then go make your choice. Uh, whether that's Intel or maybe by then, hopefully compatibility is improved with that software and then see. Uh, my my final and parting thoughts here are, is, wow, that is a really cute and good computer. Um, I, th I still think, and I will still say this, and this is really weird to say because everybody gushes and oozes over how good this chip is in this machine. But consider this. Apple has been putting high-quality in-name chips from Intel into their, you know, MacBook Pro 13 inches and 16 inches for many years now. But if you looked at the performance of those same chips on Windows in different machines from other OEM vendors, the performance might have been different there because of thermal capacity and other hardware-based decisions. I can't necessarily shake the feeling that the computer is as fast as it is, because I haven't loaded it with a bunch of garbage yet, but also because it truly is more performant. Whereas if Apple had accommodated the 
the, the, the thermal performance and the power requirements and so on and so forth, for the Intel chips that came before this, the same performance could have also been available potentially. Now, I am not a professional spec reviewer when it comes to these CPU components, but I can't help shake that feeling because I have had other computers that outperform every Mac I've ever had that, of course, all run Windows, unfortunately, and they're all desktops, unfortunately, but they're still faster in many ways. What makes them faster? Well, they had a real CPU in it, a desktop part, with real cooling capabilities, and a real graphics card, and a real motherboard. But what if you didn't want all of that? What if you wanted a cute little computer on your desk as a Mac Mini, or if you wanted a really portable MacBook Air, or if you wanted a professional, capable, and still small MacBook Pro? Well. This is what that will get you, but I still can't shake the feeling that there's still something funny about how all that came to be. Now, despite all of that, the other thing to consider is, and there's no reason to believe that this is going to be the case, but consider, what if the M2 comes out and it's only 5% better than the M1? So we had this leap in performance over year over year in between Intel and the M1. But what if the next leap isn't quite so substantial? What if truly, you know, AMD and Intel can catch up again? Well, wouldn't that be interesting? I don't know yet. I mean, we only have one data point to say that this is going to happen or not happen. Although if you look at what iPhones and iPads have been kind of producing as their performance year over year curve, pretty linear and it's only going up it's not plateauing so i don't know something to think about again final thoughts it's a great computer probably don't need this one go get a macbook air instead and make sure that you do your research if you're going to use it for anything that needs to be in quotes work related that is all we have for the 13 inch macbook pro with m1 review thank you for listening and have a good one The Nexus, the Nexus, the Nexus TV podcasts from, from the, the technological, technological convergence. convergence.